Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. One of my favorite uh, stories of all time is about Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton was a polar explorer who led three expeditions to Antarctica in the early 1900s. Uh, and plenty of men at this time of, uh, of traveling had been navigating the ships around the world at this time. Um, but what Shackleton wanted to do was a bit crazy. Uh, he was sailing at a very interesting time in history. Uh, the Titanic had just sunk. Uh, questions abounded around the safety and the sanity of trekking across the Atlantic Ocean, let alone the uncharted areas around the globe. But what set Shackleton apart was his desire to explore the Antarctic region, namely to be the first one to cross the continent of Antarctica. And Shackleton was looking for a people that were just as resolved and maybe just as crazy as he was. Check out his words on the original recruitment ad in the London Times. It says, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. (laughs) Honor and recognition in case of success. (laughs) Does that sound appealing or what? (laughs) This is literally the ad that went in the newspaper. And wouldn't you know it, In the end, Shackleton recruited a crew of 27 men who set out for the Waddell Sea on a ship named, of all things, the Endurance. However, the crew never ended up reaching Antarctica. Perhaps you know the story. Just a few days out in the southern Atlantic, the ship got stuck in an endless ice pack, eventually crushing the ship on November 21st, 1915. The crew watched their ship sink into the frigid waters of the Waddell Sea. And in three lifeboats, they all landed on tiny elephant island, literally a mountain of ice. Eventually, Shackleton took five of the men and set out over 800 miles of rough sea to find help, which they eventually did. And when he returned to Elephant Island four months later, all 22 of the men he had left behind were surprisingly alive. History records Shackleton's words. He says, they're all there, Skipper. They're all safe. Can you imagine what the people following Shackleton were thinking? You know, maybe you're, you're, you're prone to think that they were thinking, did I really sign up for this? Did I, did I really, did I think that this would be this difficult? I thought it might be easier to do this. But actually, I don't think that's the case at all. I see this crew had been given a complete picture of what could happen before they even set out to sail, and they were ready for it. So how did all these people survive a total of two years near Antarctica on a mountain island of ice with a destroyed ship? Well, it's because Shackleton inspired the right people. 
He explained in advance what kind of mission they were signing up for, and the people who went with him understood, and they were willing, and they followed him into it. Uh, You know, as we think about the scriptures, we see that Jesus did the same thing when he gave what came to be known as the greatest and, and most important call to mission in the history of the entire world. We found it famously in Matthew 28, so I'd invite you to turn there with me this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20, we're going to read. And perhaps as you're even turning there now, you're like, I know what this is going to be about. I know what this says. We talk a lot around Elm City Church about the mission of God, and we spend a lot of time looking at Matthew 28 from different angles. And so hopefully today that will be another opportunity for us to, to look at this again. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are Jesus's famous last words recorded in Matthew's gospel and how they were arranged was very deliberate. See, the disciples had just been through a roller coaster ride of emotion. Jesus, their, their teacher, their rabbi and their leader, the one that they had believed in, the one that they had waited so long for this awaited Messiah, ended up getting crucified as a rebel by the Roman government. And even though Jesus told them multiple times that this was going to happen and that he would eventually rise again on the third day, they just either they could not hear it or they couldn't understand it. And they certainly didn't conform their expectations to what Jesus was saying and what he was supposed to do. And they were left confused, They were left scared and they were left shaken. But as we come to find out, the resurrection changes everything. The entire narrative, amen to that, the entire narrative of Matthew's gospel can be summed up in these final verses. And in them, Jesus is giving us one big and central command, one big mission that summarizes what the whole church is to be about. And that is very simply to make disciples, to make the disciples. You know, the church does a lot of things. So I was reflecting this past week on what the church does, the functions of the church. The church does a lot of things. We're called to do a lot of things. But the primary and most central piece of what the church worldwide is supposed to do, according to Jesus, is to make disciples, to make disciples. And perhaps you're here today and you're wondering, well, what is a disciple? If that's what the primary job of the church is to do, well, what exactly are we doing? What are we making? Well, the simplest definition of a disciple is a learner. Uh, But here's a more expanded thought for what we mean at Elm City Church when we describe the word disciple. A disciple is someone who is intentionally following Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, and practicing the way of Jesus in community with others on mission. And if you are new today to Elm City Church, and perhaps you're wondering, 
What's this church all about? This is what we're all about. It's to make new disciples of Jesus while helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus yourself. We want to help you to intentionally follow Jesus, to become more like Jesus, and to practice the way of Jesus in a community with other people on his mission. That's what we're all about, and that is what we're trying to do, and that's what we're trying to continually get better at doing. We've got a ways to go when it comes to how we're making disciples. But nonetheless, that's what we're called to do, and that's what we're going to try to do. And this mission is really big. It touches so many corners of the globe. It's a, it's a worldwide call to mission. It's not just a North American call, but this is a worldwide initiative that Jesus has given to the church worldwide. Uh, you know, it is this mission, this go and make disciples, that led my wife and I, Danielle, back to New Hampshire in 2012 to plant uh, Praxis Church. It was our first church plant. And this mission is what continued uh, on and led to our two church communities, if you know the story. Uh, Elm City Church is made up of two church plants that came together, that merged together for the sake of the gospel. And we did that because we felt that the gospel was worth it. And the mission called us to do it. By God's grace, here we are. And this mission is the driving force behind why we are now feeling led to be part of getting something started in the Walpole area. Uh, you know, from day one, Elm City Church has wanted to be a church planting church. Actually, this is a stated uh, goal for us when we came together at first, that we wanted to be a church that plants church. That's, we want to be a type of church that makes disciples, that leans into the Matthew 28 command, who multiply and eventually form new expressions of faith in their geographic locations that end up reaching more people with the gospel. A little bit more on that in a second. But first, I want to just share a few quotes with you about the importance of church planting and the mission of God. Uh, the idea is that Church planting is one of the most effective ways that we can fulfill the Great Commission. Listen to what C. Peter Wagner said uh, very specifically and, and very clearly. He said, planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. Now, that's a quote that's been around for quite a while now, a few years. Uh, Aubrey Malfers adds uh, this to it. A careful reading of Acts reveals that the early church implemented the Great Commission mandate primarily by planting churches. And then finally, Ed Stetzer writes, New Testament Christians acted out these commands as any spiritually healthy, obedient believers would. They planted more New Testament churches. And then he, conclu he concludes, the Great Commission is church planting. I thought that was an interesting jump there. What happens when the people of God take God's mission seriously. What happens when, the, when God's people take God's mission seriously? And here's what happens. Disciples get made and churches get planted. It is the natural outworking of Jesus's great commission. And we all have a part to play in this. All of us who are believers are called and commanded by Jesus to help fulfill 
this great commission. And so if you're here today and you're part of Elm City, uh, you're, you're part of this family, then you are part of helping us plant a church in Walpole, New Hampshire. You, you are on the team. Uh, you're part of helping us to plant an expression of faith that will reach more people with the life-changing power of the gospel message. You're part of that story. I don't know um, if you know this, but our church here at Elm City is made up of a diverse group of people who represent different spheres of influence. Here at Elm City, you know, we have, it's amazing, thinking about it this week, we have business people here. Uh, We have people in the trades. We have stay-at-home moms. We have stay-at-home dads. We have healthcare workers. We have educators. We have football coaches, amen? We have architects. Uh, We have engineers. We have IT people. Elm City Church is made up of a diverse group of people that represent different spheres of influence. And let me just say this to you right now very clearly. God wants to use you to change our region. I don't know if you believe that. I'm hoping you will by the end of this. But God wants to use you to change this reason, a region. God is calling you to join his mission. We are his plan A. When it comes to Matthew 28, I've been thinking a lot about this passage and thinking a lot about the implications of this. Sometimes we read that, we hear that, and we think actually that's the job of the professionals. That's, yeah, that's the church's job. And what they mean by that is that's the pastor's job. That's the church leadership's job to go and make disciples. That's the, the job of pastors to baptize people and to teach people the, the way of God. Actually, that's not the case. This call to mission is for everybody that considers themselves a believer. You are Jesus's plan A when it comes to the mission of God. Scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in who? You. Not pastors, celebrity leaders, and church leaders. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in you. And listen, if that is true, what a loss if the sum total of our functional church experience is basically showing up to a Sunday gathering one to two times per month, dropping off our kids so that they can be blessed by our children's ministry workers, grabbing some coffee that's pretty good coffee, singing some good songs, listening to a sermon like you're doing right now, leaving and going into your week with absolutely no intention of living on the mission that God has given you to the glory of God. What a loss if that is our understanding of what church is. Because every one of you in here, whether you know it or not, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you are being called to get in the game and to get out of the stands. This is not a spectator sport, the mission of God. We are all called to step in to what he's called us to do. You know, one of the reasons we have a value here at Elm City Church of everybody plays. We want to continue to get better at making disciples. And part of what that means is getting better about activating the call of God, the call that he's placed in your heart to be on his mission.
And so when you think about it, you, you think about like a, a, a sports stadium, right? Let's just say a football field. And you got all these people in the stands, right? I mean, we just see it all the time. We attend games, we see them on TV. There is, I mean, there's, it's an empire, right? And it's so majestic to see all these people in the stands cheering, you know, and, and, and cheering on their, their little saviors on the field, right? But actually, the kingdom looks a little different. The kingdom of God flips that entire thing upside down. And actually, all those people in the stands are on the field. They're in the game. They're not spectators. They're participants in the mission of God. And so here's what, here's what I found. You don't have to read very far in the book of Acts, uh, which is where we see the story of the early church starting and forming. You don't have to read very far in the book of Acts to see that the way of Jesus spread far and wide, not because of pastors and leaders, but because of regular, ordinary people living on mission in whatever context the Lord had placed them. The reason that Christian, the Christian faith spread like wildfire, fire, and it did, isn't because people stayed but because they went. It wasn't because they huddled up and circled the wagons up and gathered together and enjoyed their little time together, but because they scattered. That is how the mission of God went forward in the early church. And in the same way, today, God is calling all of us to go, to go and make disciples, not stay, to go and to be a missionary in the context that he has placed all of us in. And for some of you, that may be a direct call to help us get this work started in Walpole. You know, as we think about church planting and as we begin to plan and pray and to strategize and all that is happening, you know, we're, you know, we're going to need people. We're going to need a team. Uh, we're going to need prayer. We're going to need financial support. We're going to need people who want to take a risk. And if that's you today, and you feel a stirring in your heart about the mission of God in that way, uh, I want to encourage you, first of all, well, definitely stick around for our interest meeting after the second service. Go get some coffee. Go get some, some uh, early brunch or whatever, and come back and hear a little bit more about what God is calling us to do in church planting. But for most others, this means that Jesus wants you to recommit yourself to intentionally knowing and sharing the good news in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and in your social circles. Just a simple recommitment to the story that God wants us to remain faithful with. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once gave these very convincing remarks. He said, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it into your friends. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. And here's, here's the zinger line that most gets quoted. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. 
whoo, convicting, convicting words for myself, hopefully for you as well. Sometimes God uses people in history to challenge us to what he's called us to do. Listen, following God's mission to plant another church is going to shake things up around here. I I don't want to like sugarcoat that at all. Following God's mission to plant another church in another place is going to stir the pot. This thing that we're all doing together is going to be a challenge. It's going to stretch us. Change is hard. You don't have to convince me of that. Change is difficult. Uh, Change is costly. Change is uncomfortable. Some of the questions I've been kicking around in my head lately as we spend time in this space thinking about these things a lot. Some of the things I've been thinking about lately in relationship to our church here, Elm City, are these. These are some of the questions. Are, Are we going to be okay with a holy disruption for the sake of the gospel? Are we going to be okay with it? And then I've had thoughts like, is this worth doing, right? And then I've had other thoughts like, what if we don't do it? All these things. And sadly, I I think it's really too easy to let the great commission of Jesus become, and this doesn't happen overnight, we can let the great commission become the great omission. It's so easy to do. When we lose sight of being on God's mission, we often default to church in terms of a service that we attend. Uh, And it's easy to be driven by our own comforts and our own conveniences. I've been there. It's really comfortable sometimes to just sort of come in and come out and and to just see this as a a, a dispensary of, of, of goods that we partake of and that we like, and that we don't want to change. They've been there. But as D.L. Moody once said, and I will remind us again today of this quote, our biggest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. So good. Our biggest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. I want you to think of it like this today. Let's just pretend that you've been hired as the manager of a shoe factory. You know, we, after all, we live in the town that Jumanji was filmed in, right? (laughs) So you get hired as a manager of a shoe factory and the owner comes to you and says, you know what? I'm going to give you three years. I'm going to give you three years. And and here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a lot of money. I'm going to give you a lot of equipment. I'm going to give you a lot of resources and things that you'll need to make uh, shoes, and not just any shoes, good shoes. And you agree to it, and you say, fine, yes, great, I will do this. And at the end of three years, the owner comes back around to you and asks, how are, how are you doing? You know, how's the, how's the business going? And you tell them that things are great. They're going great. Uh, I, I've developed the best shoe factory in the world. Renowned. I've, I've gotten the best materials. I've hired the best engineers possible. We have the best frontline shoe factory workers that you could ever see. We have incredible technology. Our marketing is absolutely crushing it. We're just, we're just outstanding. 
And the owner, impressed as he is, says, well, that's awesome. But how are your shoes doing? And suddenly you, in fear, think to yourself, shoes. I haven't really made any shoes. I haven't made a single shoe. You know, I've, I've built an incredible factory. I've, I, I have incredible trainings. You should come to some of our trainings. Uh, we have incredible technology. No, 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 no. What about your shoes? Where are the shoes? I told you in three years, I wanted shoes and you were hired to manage and produce shoes. Friends, if we're not careful, we can do the same exact thing with church. Oh God, we have this wonderful building, don't we? This is amazing space that God has given us to use. It's our church home. It's where we gather. Look at this space. God has blessed our bank account. We have healthy finances. We have healthy reserves. We have incredible classrooms that we built on that side of the building with incredible kids workers. Our social media game is pretty strong, if I do say so myself. Abby is just killing it. We, I think here at Elm City, we know how to throw great events. I think we do events pretty well. And we host effective trainings. Some of you have been to them. We have ministries and we have programs. But the question that Jesus will ask us at the end of the day is, did we make disciples? Were you faithful to the call that he gave you to make disciples? Because you can do all these things and still completely miss the mark. In closing today, and as an encouragement to you, as followers of Jesus, this is our greatest task. That doesn't mean that other things aren't important. It just means that this one is the most important. This is our unique and central calling. These are our marching orders. He is passionate about other people coming to know him and to live for him. And guess what? He wants to use you. He wants to use you, not someone else. I'm talking to you guys in this room right now, followers of Jesus. He wants to use you to live this out. That's what we're gonna be all about as a church. That's what's going to help us plant another church. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.